Hey, Gwen, how's the plans for the retreat coming? You know what, Missy? I'm excited. We are going to focus on abiding in the word. You know, I think it's so great because it gives us a chance to experience uh, being in the presence of God while digging into his word. It's March 4th, right? Yes, March 4th, and it's from 9.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. At the Wilderness Center in Wilmot. At the Wilderness Center. It's beautiful. I mean, it'll be cold and we'll be inside, but I think we're going to include an option for a prayer walk for those that are brave enough for the cold. That sounds great. And best of all, the cost is only $40, and you get breakfast and lunch with that. And it's delicious. Wonderful food. Mm -hmm. Handicap accessible. Yes. So we hope to see you there, guys. For tickets, you can look at Eventbrite um, online and just research. Um, I think it would be under Faith Foundation's Winter Retreat. Um, You can also check out uh, Facebook pages for Faith Foundation's Discipleship and um it'll be also be on open the word podcast and missy i think you're even coming this time i'm sure gonna do everything i can to be there absolutely awesome we hope you will too Welcome to Faith Foundations with Open the Word with Circle of Friends podcast. I'm your host for this discipleship series, Gwen McCaslin. Um, So let's go ahead and talk about where we're starting out today um, because we are at the beginning of the new, um, beginning of the New Testament, and we are going to be opening um, a section called the Gospels, um, and we're going to be focusing in on Matthew today. Um, But quickly before we start, I want to do a small, intro um, to the New Testament and talk about the types of books you're going to find in the New Testament. Um, We've done this with the old and I wanted to make sure I included that a little bit here with the new. We have basically three major divisions in the New Testament. Um, We have something called the Gospels, And those are the eyewitness accounts of the life of Christ. So if you want to write that in as a definition for the Gospels, there you go. Um, And then following the Gospel account is Acts. Um, And so Acts is a straight-up history of the early church. And it's from the moment um, that Jesus ascends in heaven, it picks up their waiting for the Holy Spirit and how they receive the Holy Spirit and then the the first several years of the early church. So you have some history in the New Testament as well. Now, basically, you need to think of the book of Acts as kind of a coat hanger or a, a clothesline, if you will. Uh, that's a better term, a clothesline for the rest of the New Testament. Um, because all of the other books fit somewhere along Acts timeline for the most part. Um, And then there's one or two that come at the end um, after where we would close out with Acts. Okay, so we have um, a bulk of the New Testament, 13 of the 27 books are called epistles. And we actually have more epistles than just that. But uh, 13 of those epistles are actually Paul's epistles. And so we call those Pauline letters or Pauline epistles. Um, the word epistle just means letter. Um, and basically what was happening is that 
Paul obviously can't be one place at one time, and there's no such thing as texting at that point or sending emails or phone calls even. And so what you would do back in that day if you had a message is you'd either send a messenger or you would send a letter. And so that's what we get. We get messengers that were sent with letters from Paul to a lot of the early churches that he either helped to plant or uh, visited at some point on one of his three missionary journeys. Um, And so Paul is the missionary for the New Testament. Did you know we had missionaries? Uh, This is where the term missionary started, um, actually. And in Paul, uh, he was, it's a sent out one is what it's called. And so um, he actually establishes the tradition of uh, a Christian traveling around to encourage and teach and edify other believers to walk faithful with the Lord and to grow the body of Christ through, you know, uh, telling people about the gospel, but also through uh, growing in Christ and um, discipling others. And we'll get to that a little bit when we do kind of a special breakout on Paul specifically. The rest of the New Testament, we can call general letters or epistles, and then we have the book of Revelation. And so counting all of those, we have nine books left in that. Um, And that includes Hebrews, James, Peter, uh, both books, first and second. And then we have first, second, and third John. Uh, We also have Jude, and then we have Revelation in there too. Um, Revelation can be in its own category uh, where it's, uh, we can call it prophetic. Um, But the thing about Revelations is that it has kind of a threefold message. It talks about what is what's coming next, and then what will come in the future. And so there's three different parts to the book of Revelation. Um, And uh, that is one that um, is very difficult usually for most believers to wrap their minds around and truly understand. And so honestly, it's one of the books that probably most Christians avoid because there's a lot of imagery in it. Um, And so, you know, if you're reading the Bible, hardcore literary, literally, um, you don't quite know what to do with dragons with multiple heads and things like that. Um, And so when it comes to prophecy, um, you need to understand the context of the Old Testament um, and the Hebrew people, and you need to understand how much images and pictures and illustrations were used um, to communicate something or describe something. Um, And so you need to be able to understand and recognize when an image or a picture is being used versus something that's being literally described. Um, And so anyway, it's, it's fairly obvious once you're in scripture and you recognize it. But those are the three major divisions of the Old Testament. So you could call them basically the Gospels and Acts, um, second session Paul letters or Pauline epistles, um, depending on how uh, educated. (laughs) A lot of times if you come out of seminary, you're going to hear Pauline epistles. Um, So anyway, (laughs) it's kind of just the nature of the terminology you learn along the way. Um, And then the last would be general epistles and then revelation. Um, And you can divide those out more. I just, it's simple. Let's just keep it simple. Uh, Okay, so those are your three. I want to hone in this morning on the Gospels. Um, the one thing I want you to understand is that with the early church, okay, let's let's pick up what happened through this this story, the the genealogy here, because the last thing we covered was how God set the stage for Jesus's birth. 
Okay. And we talked quite a bit about that and what was going on at the time. We talked about the three main power, uh, power entities at play, I guess, if you will. Um, we talked about Rome as the big bad guy who was over everything. We talked about the Herods who were allowed some some form of governing underneath them, but they weren't uh, by birth and lineage. They were not uh, to be on the throne of Israel. And so the tension that that would have created with the Jews um, and the lengths that the first Herod went to kind of win the Jewish favor um, in rebuilding the temple and all of that, we've talked about that. Um, And so that's definitely at play here. Um, And then the third entity that's kind of um, at work is a little bit like a mafia system, and that was the Sanhedrin and the high priest. And um, the high priest had quite a, uh, I don't entrenched a reign, so to speak. And I'm I'm calling it that because that's kind of what it seems and best described as. You know, uh, he he basically was the mafia. Uh, godfather, if you will. And so um, there's kind of a long history of that specific high priest being in power or, you know, his relatives being in power. And so by the time we get to the life of Christ, um, you know, there it's a very established system. And so, you know, there would have been things like hitmen and all kinds of things that would have taken out troublemakers. And, you know, so you have multiple levels of power play going on at any time in the Gospels. And so I think that's good to just kind of always keep in mind. Okay, so basically what I want you guys to understand is that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are written, um, well, let me take John out of it because it's written about 20 to 30 years after the other ones are, Um, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all written uh, at about 50 to 60 A.D., Okay, and there's some significance to this time frame. Okay, so Jesus would have been about born about three, four BC, would have been about his birth, they think. Okay, and so 33 years later is when he uh, died, buried, and rose again, rose again, and then when he ascends into heaven. Okay, and so all of these events have taken place. Um, the book of Acts has started. Uh, in, in play. Okay. So the events of acts are actually happening. Okay. And then you have about, um, so that would be about 34 BC is when the books of acts would have, the gospel events would have been occurring is between 35 to probably 40, um, is when the gospel and the book of acts are pretty much happening. Okay. And so what you have is at about 40, um, through 50, 60 AD, there is this escalation of persecution. And so um, all of these firsthand accounts of Jesus, uh, all of these people who saw with their own eyes, walked beside Jesus, lived through these miracles, observed them, they're dying. They're being killed for their faith. They're martyrs. Um, and so fewer and fewer and fewer people are left to give firsthand accounts for things. And so there becomes a need for the accounts of the life of Christ to be written down. And so 
basically, that's where we get the book of Matthew, the Mark, and Luke. Um, and then those books, as they're written, start getting passed around the early church. Okay. Um, and so copies will be made and then, you know, and so they're being distributed. Um, and there, you have to understand, they know that what they're receiving is, um, is precious. And so there is great care taken to copy accurately what they have, what they've been given, um, and to make sure that they do not have any errors in the text whatsoever. And so meticulous care is taken in the copying of this uh, as these, these get passed around and so on and so forth. About 20 years after these are written, um, John sits down and most of most of the believers are gone at this point or they're scattered for sure and he writes a gospel account that that kind of fills in everything that he feels like uh through God's leading obviously should be added to the gospel accounts and he's very clear even in the book of John to recognize that if everything that Jesus had said and done was actually recorded, th there wouldn't be enough pages to contain it. There wouldn't be enough books to contain it. Um, and so that is the understanding I want us to look at the Gospels with, is to understand that Jesus did far more than what these books contain. And so these authors were not, their point and their heart when God moved them was not to capture every single thing that Jesus did. That's, that's not what they were after. They had specific audiences that they were writing to. They had a specific point that they were trying to make in everything that they included. Um, and so when we get to the book of Matthew, Matthew's whole story, comes into the audience that he chose to write to as well as how he set up his book and everything. And how he established his book is what lead, led the early church to put his gospel account first. And the reason is the book of Matthew starts with the lineage of Christ. Um, Jesus' right to be king. Um, and so if there is a theme for the book of Matthew, you can write down that Jesus is king um, because Matthew will over and over and over again uh, point out uh, Jesus's um, majesty, his his sovereignty, not sovereignty in the sense of power, but but the fact that he is the king. So you're going to see that quite a bit, that he is this Messiah. He's the king that's been long prophesied. And so you're going to see him and how he fulfills the Old Testament prophecies as the Messiah. Um, and so that is going to be Matthew's point from start to finish in the book of Matthew. What we do with these books is when we open a book like Matthew, we always do our who, what, when, where, how, and why, and all that. So let's go ahead and get started with that. So if you have your Bible open, go ahead and turn it to the front cover where the name page is. And if you've got kind of a blank space anywhere around there, um, you're going to want to write who. Um, and this is Matthew. 
Um, and he used to be a tax collector. His, he is also called Levi. And the thing about Matthew as a tax collector is that he was born a Jew. Uh, his heritage is Jewish. And so for a Jew to start becoming a tax collector for the Roman government is probably the worst thing you could ever do to betray the Jewish people to betray your family, your heritage, your culture, everything. I mean, you became a traitor uh, because a lot of times you would be lumped right on in with uh, uh, tax collectors and sinners. Um, And so they were the scum of the earth for the Jewish people. Um, And so even him being added amongst the 12, I think the Chosen does a very good job of just uh, really showing how much um, attitude he probably would have gotten amongst the disciples even for his former life. Um, and so I, I find it beautifully redemptive that Matthew is the, the one who writes a book to the Jewish people um, because if anything, it's him speaking to his family, his heritage, his culture about how Jesus is their long-awaited, long-prophesied Messiah. And so to some extent, this is him connecting and healing with his spiritual roots, if you will. Um, And so there's something beautiful about that. But I also think that for Matthew, him following Jesus was coming home to his Jewish faith and his roots. Um, it was him recognizing the Messiah, and it was him squaring with the faith in the the scriptures that he had walked away from, um, because it would not have been possible to be um, basically a friend of the Roman government ta- collecting their taxes, and um, he wouldn't have been welcome in the temple. He wouldn't have been welcome in any synagogue anywhere. Um, they would have they would have recognized how he was dressed, how he, you know, held himself. They would have just recognized off the bat that uh, he was who he was. So understand that this book is very significant. Uh, who Matthew is is very significant in this book. Um, so the what of this book, this book is considered a gospel or definition for gospel, a firsthand account of the life of Christ. Where this book would have been written in Judea, um, and the when is about 60 AD. And the whole point of this book is to, to show Jesus as the son of David, the kingly Messiah who fulfills the Old Testament prophecies. Um, let's go to outlining. Um, there's a general outline of Matthew where basically you have three parts. You have uh, the birth and early life of Christ. That's chapters 1 through 4. You have the ministry of Christ, and so that's 5 through 20. And then 21 through 28 is the death and resurrection of Christ. Uh, And so all the way through that, he is going to be reflecting on how Jesus fulfills Old Testament prophecy. So you got to keep that in mind. Um, And the whole point of this is he is showing how Jesus is that Messiah, Um, And remember, the Jews for centuries have been looking for their Messiah. They were watching uh, for heavenly signs. They were watching the weeks of Daniel that were prophesied. And so literally, there are prophecies 
in the book of Daniel that talk about the exact year that Jesus would be cut off, the Messiah would be cut off. And so they knew um, pretty much exactly when he would be cut off. So, and by cut off, that is, the and it says like cut off and then taken to his father's throne in heaven. Um, and so literally, you know, Jesus dying, being risen again, risen again, and then ascending to heaven was literally something that they knew about the time that that should happen in the Old Testament. Um, and so they truly knew when Jesus's birth would be. Uh, and so it's amazing to me to know that the, the time and the seasons were so clear. Um, anyway, and yet they still missed him. That's the amazing thing as they still could not see him for who he was. And so that's Matthew's whole point is you missed him. He is who you're looking for. Um, all right, so we always do a key verse. So the key verse of this is Matthew 28, verses 18 through 19. And it says, When Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so that's the key verse for Matthew. Um, all right, so I want to kind of dive in a little bit to the genealogy in the book of Matthew and just point out some things. There, you know, a lot of times people talk about... Um, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and um, I think we struggle, especially since the feminist movement, to really understand the role of women in the Bible. Um, but the beautiful thing I want to point out here is that Matthew does not have to include the women in the lineage of Christ, but he does. And so there's something beautiful to that. Um, and these women all have stories. Um, and they have some pretty profound stories. And so I do want to highlight that today. But I want to start here with um, verse 1. And the reason I want to go to 1 is because I want you guys to be thinking in terms of the episode where I talked about uh, the Old Testament covenants, specifically, okay, the Abrahamic covenant and the Davidic covenant and some of those, okay, because those pertain to the Messiah uh, and the nation of Israel. So verse 1 of Matthew says, the record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, son of David and son of Abraham. Okay, so he is very clearly here naming Jesus as the heir or the son of the Davidic covenant and the son or heir of the Abrahamic covenant. Okay, very, very important here. And if you want some cross-references to that, uh, 2 Samuel 7 is the covenant with David, and then Genesis 12 is the covenant with Abraham. Okay, so in chapter 2, we start getting into the specifics of birth order here. So we have Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Now, I want you to understand this is our first woman mentioned, okay? And Tamar's story is in Genesis 23, 
And it is the story that contains incest. Um, and so I want you to understand that a lot of these stories have things in them that are quite interesting. Um, but they're not pretty stories. Uh, these are women that have been through trauma and have been, have, uh, been through struggle. Um, these are women with, you know, for example, Rahab's the next one that's mentioned in verse 5. She was a prostitute. Um, and we need to get out of the mindset that sometimes we have today that women have a choice about that kind of thing um, because life sometimes can hand women a situation that they can't choose, that their choices are not what yours and mine are. Um, and so they end up in places they would never want to choose to be. Um, and so we need to understand, especially with human trafficking, that it's not a prostitution by choice. Um, that That is a lie that is told to justify something that is a hideous and a grievous. Um, and so, you know, changing even your wording on that might be a really good idea. Um, and so a lot of times what they're doing is they're moving us right now to calling it human trafficking because that's what it is. It's the buying and selling of humans. It is modern slavery is what it is. Um, and if there wasn't, and, and, you know, for example, if there wasn't a, if this is the, the whole story of consumer. If there wasn't consumers craving this, the need would would not be as high. And, and I, the need, I hate that word for this, but like, you know, it's, it's consumer. You know, it's consumer-driven concept. You know, we have so many people that are following these sinful desires and they think they're doing it in secret. And so with, there's a lot of actual kidnappings that are happening uh, in and around the United States to satisfy um, literally what's being created by this sickness and this sin. Um, and so understanding that uh, this is something that is being created by people seeking this out. And so, um, yeah, anyway, there is a huge problem with this, especially since the, the uh, situation with the borders is going on, and there's so many coming into the United States. Um, and a lot of them are just trying to get to a better place in life, but are being preyed upon by predators. And so understanding that the dynamics of what's at play right now, I, honestly, there are a lot of women and men and children that are being pulled into a lifestyle they never chose, and not lifestyle, into hell that they've never chosen. Um, and so understand with compassion that um, this truly is one of the major sins of our day. Uh, anyway, the, sorry, that's a little heavy. And we're talking about Rahab and just the life of prostitution that she walked out of. Um, anyway, uh, we've got Bathsheba here who, you know, basically um, the king wanted her. And there really wasn't, you don't say no to a king. Um, and so she was kind of forced to commit adultery just by the power differential alone. Um, and so these women don't have pretty stories. And so that's what I want you to know is that there's a lot of women included in the lineage of Christ that have horrendous stories that we would never want our daughters to have. Um, anyway, let's go back up here a little bit. Um, we've got the story of Boaz and Ruth 
um, Boaz, uh, his mom was Rahab. So Boaz was the father of Obed, um, who Ruth gave birth to. And the story of Ruth is she was a Moabite. Um, she had married a transplant into her country, um, a Jewish man who, you know, the story of Naomi and Ruth. Um, Naomi, her husband, and their sons, their two sons, uh, were trying to avoid a famine. And so they went to Moab because they heard there was food and settled and lived life. And Naomi, in her words at the end of her life, said, I left full and I've come back empty. So don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Um, And that's kind of the story of the book of of Ruth. Um, And so if you want to know more about the story of Ruth and Boaz, you definitely need to look up the story of Ruth. Um, Boaz was quite an amazing gentleman uh, and protector of his family. So their son, Obed, is the father of Jesse, and Jesse is the father of King David. Um, And so Jesse had many other sons, and David is the one that was chosen and anointed to be king after Saul. Uh, And then David, the thing about David is that he is a man after God's own heart. That is what is said of him. Um, But even he fell into sin with Bathsheba and gave birth to Solomon, who was um, the king of Israel's height as a nation and as it's an independent sovereign. And so during those years, that is the golden age of Israel as a nation. Verses 7 through 12 are um, focusing in on the kings of Judah. And I think before I go into that too much, I'm going to break for the end of the podcast today. And we're going to pick up with uh, the kingdom of Judah in the lineage of Christ on next podcast. So thanks for joining and I will see you next podcast. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd love to hear from you. So find us on Facebook and Instagram at Open the Word Podcast or Send us an email to openthewordpodcast at gmail.com. Is it time for you to plan a day trip with your peeps? Come and stay a while at Shia Market in Berlin. There is something for everyone, no matter what your taste or style may be. Visit the Village Gift Barn for your custom floral arrangements and timeless accessories for your home. Stroll upstairs to Shia's Style Boutique for your perfect outfit. Everything from accessories to shoes. Be inspired at country gatherings with decor from modern farmhouse to transitional design. Then meander through the gardens for a large selection of houseplants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed.